If you uh, will, look at Philemon, verses 17, 18, and 19, and I read this to you and with you today. So if you consider me a partner, Paul writes, accept him as you would me. And if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompted me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher, and on me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. If I'm ever around preaching and they're in a series, I, I, I like it when the preacher can catch me up if I'm new. So if you're, a, a, if you're new with us, you're a guest with us today, we're in Philemon, a little, a little short book that Paul has written to Philemon. And it, it, it has characters in it, but the three main characters are Paul. Uh, Paul is in jail in Rome. He's in house arrest, not, not really because of, of breaking a law, but just preaching the gospel. And uh, remember in Rome, if you preach that there is a king greater than the emperor, that'll put you in jail. All right, and that's what he was preaching. And so he's under house arrest. I've said it through the whole series. They can't shut him up, they shut him out. But even though they put him in house arrest, he's still leading people to Christ. Philemon is, a, is way over on another part of the map. He's in the area where Colossae is. The, the book of Colossians is written. And uh, he's a businessman. He's a Christian. Uh, he's a co-laborer of Paul. They're good friends. In fact, Paul calls him an encourager in the ministry to him. But in that day, um, not that we say that Christianity and slavery go together, we don't, but in that Roman culture, it did. And he had a slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus had run away from Philemon and gone to Rome and encountered the apostle Paul. And Paul was able to lead him to Christ and see him to surrender. Now, Paul is sending Philemon back are sending Onesimus back to Philemon. And that's where we are. He's writing this letter right now telling uh, Philemon, you need to take Onesimus back. And he's actually laying it on pretty thick here. And what we're gonna deal with this today. Look at verse 17 for just a moment. He said, so if you consider me a partner, accept him as you would me. There are some things here I wanna bring out in this, in this area. One is partner, the word partner. Uh, it is a Greek word that means koinonia, it means fellowship. We have things that are in common, but you need to understand a biblical format of fellowship. Uh, a biblical format of fellowship is not meet and greet and hang out and chat. Uh, a, a biblical format of fellowship is we came together for the sake of the gospel. What, what is our gathering going to do for the gospel? How is God going to use us to take the gospel to other people? So it, it is a partnership. We, 
Paul is saying, I have a kingdom partnership with you, Philemon, and it is wrapped around, it is wrapped around the gospel. The second place I want you to see is in the word accept, or you may have a version that says receive, meaning receive him as you would me or accept him as you would me. And the word here is a word that means your family. Though you may not be biological family, you're family. And you and I have those people in our lives. Uh, they're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and they're not biological family, but they're considered family. And he's saying, I want you, Philemon, to accept Onesimus as family. No, no longer as a slave but accept him back, he's a new person in Christ, accept him back as family and receive him like you do me. You treat me like family, I want you to be able to treat him like family. And I told you when we started this little book, that really is not even a book of chapters, it's just a book of one chapter and a few verses. But it's gonna talk about the family of God. Is Paul pulling at Philemon's heartstrings? Yeah, absolutely he is. But it's a real pull at his heartstrings. It's not jacked up here. It is a, it's kingdom real. Meaning the family of God is kingdom real and we treat people like kingdom. Uh, I, I've had chats with people recently in the public and they're like, um, you know, I don't go to your church, but I go to your competition. And I go, what? Come on, what? I mean, there's people that come here from other churches and there's people who leave here for the other churches. And it's at every church that you know, there's a coming and going of people. It, it just happens. But I don't look at it just being us versus other churches we've got to have a kingdom viewpoint of all this and we're all together for the sake of the gospel. So it's not turf depending on where the local church is and which one you go to. If we're going to disciple you correctly, then we have got to do it in such a way that we think of kingdom. We think of other Christians as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Not that they're your church members and you all are my church members, right? So uh, I actually try to pastor that way. I don't just pastor Hope Church. I pastor two or three counties, if you really want to boil it down to, to what I do as a pastor. So it's a, it sounds like he's pulling at uh, Philemon, and he is. But he's doing it for a kingdom reality Right now, you need to consider Onesimus as a brother and not property. Don't, don't look at him in such a way. Verse 18. In verse 18, he says, and, and if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge, charge that to my account. Uh, we just established that Paul had a partnership with Philemon and the gospel. And now in verse 18, it switches and it includes a business partnership. We've, we've moved now from a kingdom partnership to a business partnership. And the, the, the phrase, if he has wronged you, the phrase wronged you is very important because they believe that Onesimus has confided in Paul of what he may have done against Philemon. So 
Paul knows of some wrongdoing here. And he, Paul tells Philemon, if he's wronged you in any way, owes you anything, charge that to my account. Onesimus could have stolen money from Philemon. He could have stolen stuff, just stuff from Philemon. He could, it could mean that he owes him time. Since he's working for them and he's pulled away, uh, you know, he run away, he's run away from him, that it's, it's, a, it's time that he has stolen, meaning even himself, because Onesimus has value to him, to Philemon. So whatever it is, nonetheless, he has mentioned his wrongdoing to Paul. And Paul says, whatever it is, charge it to me. If he owes any, you anything, charge that account to me. Uh, and, and this is huge. This is huge. And we're going to break it down as to why these statements are huge. They don't look like much, but they're big. And the reason they're big is I believe in the wisdom of Paul that he is heading off the way Philemon may start to think. Have you ever done that with people? Did you know them so well that as you were talking about something, you knew they were gonna be thinking about something else? And then you guide the conversation somewhere else? I, I, think, I think Paul in his wisdom is seeing that Philemon can think kingdom, but he can switch it to business real quick. Onesimus owes me money. Paul, you're tugging at my kingdom heartstrings here to accept my slave as a brother, but he owes me money. And I think Paul is heading that off here. I think Philemon could be switching to, well, I'm glad he's saved. I'm glad he ran into you. I'm glad he's coming back, but he owes me money, right? And, and uh, have you ever had anybody ask you if you know somebody from somewhere else? And they go, why are you asking? Do I owe them money? You know, do I owe them money? Uh, it, listen, if I want to get you serious about something, I'm no dummy up here. I just act like one. But if I want to get you serious, let me get your money in it, and you and I will be serious at the snap of a finger. And so Paul is seeing that uh, Philemon may be heading that way, even though it's a letter. They're not person to person. Paul's in one place, Philemon is in another. He knows Philemon well enough, he could start thinking, well, that's good, all this is good, but he owes me money. And Paul is taking care of this, he's heading it off. This is another reason why it's huge, is because Paul is under house arrest. He's not making a living. But yet he speaks boldly and confidently that he's going to pay it. Think about that for a moment. He's making a huge statement of, I am going to pay this, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely going to take care of this. And I want you to see here, it's not only his boldness and his confidence, but it's that song we just sang at the last He's witnessed the riches of God's glory. He's been in plenty and been in want. He's been shipwrecked, snake bitten, and whipped for the gospel. But yet God has been faithful. This is a, this is a statement of his faithfulness, his faith in God who's a faithful God. It's huge. This is a man in house arrest saying whatever it is, not really knowing all of it probably, 
and saying, I'll take care of it, which he's really saying, my God will take care of it. My, my God will answer that uh, for me. So uh, remember, and I want to be pastor here with you for a moment. Remember, it's okay to have things, just don't let things have you. And it's okay for you to have money, just don't let money have you. And listen, never put people above money. One of, one of our sins, if we will be honest with ourselves, is we raise people who have lots of money to another level of value. And we do that. We're like, man, they, they, it's unbelievable. What they, but it, it can be a projection of money and they not really have money, you understand? And a lot of people live that way because we put value in what we're able to have. Don't ever put dollar signs above people. I tell this to young pastors, uh, and I happen to be looking at you, Dustin, when I say that. Uh, I, I say this to young pastors all the time uh, because I, I wanna be honest with you, in, in, in church world, uh, it can happen that people are getting people not really for the sake of getting people, but they're getting people so if they give, it increases their budget. In other words, I should never look at you as a dollar sign. If you connect with our church, I should never say to anybody, well, man, our budget should go up because they're attending our church. In other words, I shouldn't count nickels and noses. You understand? Uh, because you have a greater value in your life than any monetary value you can have established to you. And, and so Paul is setting this up. Uh, he's, he's, he's got two kinds of businesses going on here. He's got the kingdom business going on, which Philemon, I want you to take Onesimus and I want you to take him back as a brother. I don't want you to take him back as property. And Paul says, for me to head that off, if he owes you anything, give it to me. Let me know, put it on my account, my tab, and I am going to take care of it. So we've got kingdom business going on, and we've got, we've got business business going on, right? We've got that going on. But Paul is taking care of both because he knows Philemon is going to be thinking both. And he doesn't want the business side of Philemon to overtake the kingdom side of Philemon. And he's, he, he's got it in the right order. It's always the kingdom of God first. You're going, I don't know if I believe that. Here's the words of the Gospels. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The first, what's first in our life, the kingdom of God is first and foremost in our life. I'm going to give you a statement, and we're going to revisit this statement. But Paul is basically saying, I am willing to pay for his wrongdoing. Don't forget that line. I'm willing to pay for his wrongdoing. We go to verse 19. Philemon could be thinking that somebody else is writing this other than Paul. Somebody else could just be a stenographer or a secretary or anybody writing this down. And he goes, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. He, he, this is a double emphasis here. One verse, he says it. He says it again. Not to mention to you that you owe me 
even your own self, he says. But when he says this right here, if, you, if, if we have some people who are attorneys or aspiring attorneys, this becomes a legal document, verse 19. I, Paul, I, Paul write this with my own hand. I will repay it. When he, when, he, when he says that line and that he is the one writing this letter, it becomes a legal document. It becomes a promissory note. And, and Paul, Paul is really big on keeping his word because it is a, it is a, it's kingdom character and kingdom integrity in our life. But I, 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 don't, I want to shed light even on my own life for then. I try to live this way and uh, I use the word try. I don't want people to think I bad a thousand and I don't want you to think that I think you bad a thousand. But sometimes my mouth can get in gear before my mind does. I don't know about that. Do any of you all have that problem? Uh, and uh, I, uh, I, I remember when uh, after Tom passed away, our son-in-law, our daughter, he and, he and Laura still owned a home in Masterson Station in Lexington. And so Laura had to finish her residency in Denver, Colorado, and they didn't sell the house. Mainly because Laura was grieving heavy, and so were we. And uh, about that time, uh, I, 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 so I, I said, you don't worry about it. I'm going to be daddy. I'm going to be a, a, a big form of daddy. And I said, uh, I'll take care of your yard. I'll make sure your house is heated in the winter and that the, your water's not frozen up. And she had her address changed. I'll take care of your excess mail. So I stood up and was dad, right? At the same time, uh, Julie is caring for her mom and dad. I'm helping Julie care for her mom and dad, but primary caregiver is Julie. And so Papa's not able to mow his yard, so I, I have started mowing their yard. Well, big mouth me, uh, here I am going, well, I'm going to take care of me, Mom, Papa's yard, and I'm taking care of our yard, and now I'm taking care of Laura's yard in Lexington. And then our neighbor is deployed to Iraq. Big old mouth me come over and I go, listen, I want to bless you all. I'm going to mow your yard too. So I've, I've big mouth myself into four yards every week. And it seemed like winter and frost would never come during that year. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I really believe the last time I mowed those yards were the second week of December in that year. But I opened up my mouth. I wanted to be big to my daughter. I wanted to be big to my neighbor. And I wanted to be big to my in-laws. And then we had our own yard. Plus, I have a pastor's life, which is the most variable life you can ever ask for. I have no idea what this week. I've got a list, but it doesn't mean that I will get to it because of all the things that we call them pastor pop-ups that will happen. And so here I am, and I've got to take care of these four yards and all the leaves and everything that comes with it. But you know what? I gave my word. And I, I know that you may go, well, lawns aren't that big of a deal. But you know what? My word should be. Whether it's a yard or not. So people ask me, you know, general cordial conversation. Preacher, uh, how, you, how you doing? Are you doing good? And, and if you've talked to me, you know, I go, well, I'm trying to. Isn't that really true of all of us? I mean, part of a kingdom part of our life, and I, I'm taking a little side spin here, 
because Paul is in prison under house arrest for the gospel, yet he's making a promise without making a living that he's going to pay for this guy's wrongdoing. And there's a lot of confidence there. And even though mine had to do with yards, I had to realize that I kept my word. I've got to keep my word. Did I get up on Monday looking at every week going, Mo, I can't wait to mow these four yards, you know? Let's just go, you know? I, you know, I, I, I wanted to fix a t-shirt that said, Kingdom Life is mowing yards, you know? Uh, but did I want to do that? No, there's times I dreaded it. But I had to remember that I'd given my word. Had I been a bit big mouth, probably, but nonetheless, it was my word. Are y'all listening? Part, part of, one thing that separates believers from unbelievers, you want to finish it for me? It's our word. Every part of us represents the one we have surrendered our life to. And it becomes our word. Work, work hard at it. Not so that you get any glory, but so that he does. We represent the kingdom of God. So in, in, verse, in verse 19, he's, he's projecting character and integrity, promise, confidence, boldness, and even faithfulness here that uh, I'm going to keep my word. But the main thing Paul is concerned about is that reconciliation happen between Onesimus and Philemon. That's, the mo that's his ultimate goal is that they are reconciled within the family of God. When I read that um, Paul made this statement of I'm gonna pay for it, I'm gonna pay for anything that, any, any wrongdoing, anything that happened, it reminded me of a story that Jesus tells in the Gospels and I, I wanna tell it to you. There is a lawyer that came up to Jesus and the lawyer said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so the Lord answers to him, what does the law say? And basically he said, how do you read it? And the man responded with the Shema, which is out of the book of Deuteronomy. It is, I am to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength, my might. Jesus said, if you do this, you will live. Now, he didn't just say absorb it in his mind. He said, if you do this, are y'all listening? If you do this, it's about doing. If you do this, you will live. And then the lawyer comes back, seems to be completely other area. He's like, well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And the Lord says and tells a story. There's a man who's coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if you've been to the Holy Land, Jerusalem is up on the mountain. It is Zion. And if you go anywhere from Jerusalem, you go down. So going down to Jericho would be proper. Uh, and this man is robbed and stripped and beaten and left to be half dead. There is a priest that comes by. And the order is very important here. Uh, the priest coming by first, Jesus would need to get this right in the story because everybody else is listening. And the priest more than likely had been in the temple, which meant he'd gone through the ceremony and that now he was clean. 
And one thing a clean priest couldn't do was handle a dead body, which would make them unclean. So the priest comes by, sees the man uh, that is robbed, beaten, stripped, and they're half dead, and he goes to the other side. Uh, and uh, it's important, here is the order. The next person that comes by is a Levite, and that order is important because Levites prepare the table, the, the altar, for animal sacrifice, whatever it is. They prepare the altar, and then they stay later and clean up the altar. So the priest leaving first would be proper, and then the Levite leaving second would be proper. And it's the same thing. The Levite sees this man and, and, and dodges him. And then there's a Samaritan that comes. Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were considered unclean no matter what ceremony they went through. They were considered unclean. It says the Samaritan saw the man, had compassion on him, took care of his wounds, put him on his animal, took him to an inn. And here's, here's, the, here's the parallel. Here's the connection. He tells the innkeeper, I've got to go on and do some business. But I, here's money. I'm leaving money for you to take care of this man. And you take care of him. And if it requires more care than what this money will pay for, then on my way back, I want you to know that I will repay you. I will repay you. Meaning the Samaritan, his word was incredible and he's paying for the care of somebody else. And, and so Jesus says, uh, which one of these is your neighbor? And the lawyer says, the one who showed mercy. Paul is teaching Philemon how to show mercy. I believe the Samaritan here, and often it's called the Good Samaritan as our title. I had a seminary professor said he didn't like that title because to, to make this one the Good Samaritan means all the other Samaritans are bad. Uh, and Jesus never used that in the title, but he, he, he just said he was a Samaritan. And everybody then would have learned what that meant. But what it, what it means and what you and I have to understand is that this, this Samaritan didn't see him as losing money. He didn't see him as a, a huge challenge. He just saw him as a person of worth. And I want to insert that. I didn't say this in the first service, so I can't backtrack it. This is not a parable about how to treat hitchhikers, okay? People look at this and they go, you need to be wise with people on the road. Do you understand? Okay. So a lot of people take this one and go, this is how I should treat a hitchhiker. We've got ways of seeing that they get care, and usually it's through your cell phone. And nonetheless, I'll go off. I'll leave that alone. But the picture here is that he had worth, that he had worth and it was beyond money. Uh, when I read about what Paul did with Philemon and Onesimus's wrongdoing, it reminded me of the story of the Samaritan. That I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take care of it. Whatever it is, I'm going to take care of it. Look at verse 19 again. At the end of it, Paul is again tugging on Philemon's heart. He basically says at the end of it, you owe me. Now, this can be a controversial passage. 
maybe not to you, but if you deal with it long enough, it can, it can get very controversial. And what, what Paul is saying to Philemon is, I help bring the gospel to you. I help bring the gospel to you. And they believe that Philemon and Paul have had many conversations, which they were great friends. And I know that I am grateful for the people who brought the gospel to me. I'm grateful to that. And I even have said to them, I'll never be able to repay you for what you have done for me. I've made those comments to them. And they're going, you don't owe me anything. And Philemon and Paul is saying, but you owe me, here's what you owe me. You owe me to act in the kingdom the way I acted in the kingdom concerning you. That's what he's saying. I responded to the Holy Spirit within the kingdom and you surrendered to Christ. What you owe me is to respond to the Holy Spirit concerning Onesimus the way that I responded to the Holy Spirit concerning you. You do the same thing to that. Uh, and it's a kingdom response that he's getting at. I told you I was gonna remind you of a saying that uh, he said, uh, I'll pay for your wrongdoing. This is all a mirror picture of what Christ has done for us. I don't know about you, but I've run away. Have you run away? I mean, I have. I've run away. Yet he still found me. Oh, where can I go? Right? Height and depth and width and demons and death and nothing can separate me from the love of God. Where, where can I go? You know, I, I've been around the gambling table. I've seen the emptiness of a bottle. I've misused the prescription of medication. All in a runaway. All in a runaway. But you know what? Yet he found me. And you know what he said? I'm going to pay for all of your wrongdoing, Jeffro. He calls me Jeffro. I don't know what he calls you all, but he calls me Jeffro. I'm going to pay for all of it. I died for you. Whatever it is, I'm going to pay for it. And is there a greater cost to a human than life itself? I mean, it's, you can't put it in the matter of dollars and cents. And he did. He died on the cross for every single one of us. He paid for all of our wrongdoing. And I love to say this. I love to say this about who the Lord is. I love to say it in such a way that I was once his enemy and so were you. It's not that I'm going to be condemned. We're condemned already. This, you're going, man, people that don't believe in the Lord, they're going to be condemned in the future. Wrong, wrong, wrong. They're condemned already. But he came to rescue those who have already been condemned. And what he has done is taken his enemies, and this is the part of the gospel that I will preach till I die. He has taken his enemies and made them his sons and his daughters. Yes. Right? I'm his son now. Right. And, and, and basically, 
Paul's doing the same thing with Philemon. Don't, don't take him back as property. Don't take him back as property. Don't take him back as a slave. Take him back as a brother. And the Lord in his sacrifice has said to the Father, what you've given me, you give it to them. I'm making you my sons and my daughters. Even in a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to include the prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. And you're going, man, there's, I don't know of anything I can do over there. Oh, yes, pay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, and if you want me to get real detailed and, and halfway Pentecostal with you, there are territorial spirits that when you pray for that, it, 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 it can hold them back. Uh, so pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But it, when we pray, I'm going to ask you to be agents of peace here. When I say there's uprisings going all around, there are. Uh, just don't let them happen around you. You be a peacemaker too with the gospel. Because even Jesus taught in his very best sermon ever. He said, blessed are the peacemakers because they become the sons and the daughters of God. Do you see that? We were his enemies and now we are his sons and his daughters. We're not just agents and ambassadors. We are that, but we're his sons and his daughters. I, I gave my word to the yard mowing, not because I wanted to be a puffed up daddy. And I, I know that can be a rapper, and it's not exactly the same way, so just, so, I'm sorry about that. I just now dawned on me, you know, but so, sorry. Uh, but I, I, uh, I needed to represent it as a man who gives his word to that. You see what I'm saying? It's more than that. So it's a, it's, it becomes a kingdom response. As, as we leave here today, will you remember that he paid for your wrongdoing? Just like Paul said, I'm going to pay for Onesimus' wrongdoing. And there's no doubt Paul is using that picture. I'm going to pay for his wrongdoing, and it's really to trigger Philemon to go. And don't forget, Christ has paid for our wrongdoings too. And will you celebrate today that he's not out to hurt you? He sees you as sons and daughters. Live in his kingdom. His kingdom life is it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable life, and we ask for you to join it today. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, we ask that you come today and surrender to him, all right? Remember, he has paid for all of your wrongdoing. Let's pray together. Father, I pray over our people today. Let us leave here today focusing on and realizing that we were once your enemies, and you have adopted us and now made us your sons and your daughters. That you have paid for our wrongdoing. Lord, we even remembered it in baptism today. Because even in baptism, it's, it's about the death and burial of you and the resurrection of you. And now we live in that resurrection power. You paid for our wrongdoing on the cross. But now we live in the power of the resurrection. Man. We say thanks. And Lord, we join together as a church, a local church, but we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the unrest that is going on there. We pray for peace with Ukraine and Russia. We pray for peace with the uprisings that are popping up all over the world. And Lord, our, we know that peace comes through a person 
and that person is Christ. And we pray that you rain down your peace upon our world is our prayer. I pray that people will be reconciled in you like Paul was expressing his wish that Onesimus and Philemon would be reconciled in you. And help us to become those peacemakers in the crowds, the homes, the workplaces of our life. Help us to become those peacemakers here. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and that we pray together. Amen. Church, would you stand? Counselors, would you find your spot? The invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come.